I just want to say welcome. I want to introduce some people that are in this studio. And as you guys are watching online, the only way that this could happen uh, is really because of our, our team here. Uh, and so because of our team, we've got Rich Goodwin in the back. Don't worry, you can watch it on the screen. He'll throw himself up on the screen here, I'm guessing. Uh, Rich Goodwin uh, has been with us forever. Are you, Shelley, can you cue him up? So this is all kind of brand new and all kind of not brand new. Uh, and so Rich Goodwin has, there's Rich, okay? <laughs> so there's Rich. I mean, you can literally just turn your head. He's right there, but you know, anyway. And then we've got, now Rich will be running cameras, okay? Just so you guys have a picture of how this works. We have eight cameras here. Am I right, Rich? Yep. Uh, let's cue Kevin now, okay? <laughs> let's go to Kevin McElravey. So when we did Revive School, by the way, <laughs> this was us. This is how we did it, right? And everybody loves Kevin. Um, and Kevin, I will just tell you, has, and this is a, a very positive statement. Kevin, when we first started Revive School, Kevin knew the word, but by the end of two years, there was something that radically changed. Kevin was end up teaching by the end in his chair. That's my goal for each one of you, by the way. Let's go to Tom. Tom's our camera guy. Uh, Tom, you can smile if you want. (laughs) Tom's like, oh man, I can't sleep anymore, you know? So this has been a great team to work with. And I just, these are the three. So when you know that it's Kyle teaching, it's all of us, by the way. Uh, And then I have Ray Sturdivant. Let's cue this one. This is a great, this is a new camera angle. This will make Ray nervous, but let's just throw him up. (laughs) Ray, okay, uh, Bill uh, Bill Bright. How many have heard of Bill Bright, Campus Crusade, right? Bill Bright was just this legend of missionary. I mean, Campus Crusade probably, I think still today, probably has the most missionaries in the world. I'm guessing still, that's probably a very accurate statement. Bill just had a desire to share the gospel in the college environment. And Bill always had an in-house theologian. I don't know if you guys know that. And so Bill always... um, uh, he just, he had to go to somebody in case he was wrong or in case he had a question. Uh, can you go ahead and cue Ray again? Uh, Ray is my in-house theologian. When Ray and I first met, we met at a Chick-fil-A in the mornings and we studied end times together. And some of the stuff we were reading, he didn't like. And so I said, great, do something about it. And what did you start doing, Ray? Do you remember? Started writing a paper. He just started writing a paper where we ended up teaching this at, Don, I don't know if you remember this. We taught this at Dallas Bible Church years ago. We sat up in rows and we taught on the end times in a small little classroom. It was Ray, you, me, and two other guys, Brian and John. And, you know, I just, I say that because God surrounds you with people that can help do this together. So by no means is this whole series anything of one person. It's the hand of the Lord. So anyway, we're going to jump in, but I just, I feel like you need to have that as a backdrop. Some of the things I want you to see where we're going for the whole time, I have nothing to hide here. Uh, I was in my office with this title and the Lord gave me this title. I was asking him about the end times and he gave me Psalm 90. And he said, I want you to call it very clear, the Holy Spirit. Remember in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. Part of our whole ministry is to help you, right? Elijah, we just talked about this yesterday, to hear uh, his voice. I believe the church is, has drowned out the spirit of God, not because they, um, they don't want to listen. They haven't been instructed that you can. And so I want to just begin to navigate this and what this, what this could look like. There's nothing scary about the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's freedom. The reason I actually believe we're not talking about the Holy Spirit is because leadership in congregations all over the world, this is not an America thing, this is all over the world, they, they're afraid to release control. If we can control our congregation, our environment, our organizations, then it's safe. The pandemic threw all of that out the window. And here was the problem with the pandemic that came in. The church should have been launched at that time. 
Instead, we waited for it to keep opening up. Why was that an issue? Because if we were equipping our saints corporately, I actually think we would have seen a move of God. Now, am I saying there's not churches that don't do it? No, man, there's churches everywhere, you guys, that are doing this. Don't take it like I'm against the church. We're totally for the church. But I believe there's a remnant throughout the world that's hungry to hear his voice and respond. And so what I want to do today, the message today, <laughs> it's not your typical end times message. Like this is not going to get into the tribulation today. We're not going to get into like the rapture today. By the way, why is it whenever you talk about the end times, they always want to know, where do you stand with the, with the rapture? Are you pre-trib? Are you post-trib? Are you mid-trib? What kind of millennium guy are you? You're like, what are you even? Here's what I want to say. Today's message is going to set the foundation for all of that. Because now this is going to contradict my whole teaching. I don't care what your view is. You actually shouldn't care what my view is. I want to set the tone today for how I believe all of us should live in the end times. And so up here on the screen, you have a key. And the Lord very clearly said, I want you to call us to number our days. Trust me as you unfold this teaching. And there's a key here, and this represents the key of David. Okay? You're going to start seeing themes and threads of the lessons of the key of David. I'm not going to teach on that right now, but I want you to understand that's why we put a key here. That's so why we have keys just kind of throughout. I believe to understand the number of our days, I believe to understand the end times is the key of David. So in Psalm 90, uh, you're going to actually find may, maybe, maybe one of the oldest psalms in all of the 150 psalms. Uh, Rich, who wrote Psalm 90? Jesus? No. <laughs> Kevin, who wrote Psalm 90? Psalm 90 was written by David. No. 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 Look, he's already setting it up for growth, okay, down the road. Hey, Tom, well, I got three guys. Three guys. Tom, who wrote Psalm 90? Moses. Moses, thank you. Dear Lord, we are a ministry, just so you know, okay? <laughs> Jesus, David, and then Moses. Can I get another one, right? So anyway, Moses wrote it, which is probably... Why, it's one of the oldest psalms. <laughs> you guys are all feeling smarter already, aren't you? You're like, hey, we're in good hands. So here, here's, the, here's the deal. Um, you know, I'm going to use this as a backdrop to get to the end, but why, why, why do we say we're in the end? Okay, uh, can you, Kevin, can you go to 1 Peter 4, 7? 1 Peter 4, 7 just kind of sets the tone with why I believe this. Scripture says, now the end of all things is near, uh, therefore, be, be clear-headed, be serious, and disciplined of prayer. So, who hey, Kevin, who wrote this? <laughs> Peter did. All right. Kevin's good. One for two. Here we go. So, all right. So, here you have Peter writing this. So, this was in the first century, you guys. The first century, they believed, he believed, that what? The end of all things is near. So, when I say, when you say, are we near the end times? Are we in the end times? You can say yes. And it's biblical and you're not weird. I'm serious. But have this verse in your pocket, in your heart, on your mind. Like, this is why I believe that I can say biblically that you can come to a lesson in a class that says, are we in the end times? Yeah, because Peter believed it in the first century. What I want to do is help you understand the times we're in. And then how do you, here it is, how do you approach them? 
So this is a backdrop. Does that make sense? Now, here's what's crazy. Peter was in the first century. Now let's go to Psalm 90, one of the oldest Psalms. So you're jumping literally from the Pentateuch, right? You got the Pentateuch of Moses writing the Pentateuch. Then you're going into the, the wisdom books. We're talking a long time ago. And both Moses and Peter believed that they were near, that things were near. But most people don't articulate the fact that Moses said, hey, by the way, when are you coming, Jesus? I'm going to show you in Scripture today why I believe Moses thought that. So in Psalm 90, verse 1, what you have is, is that, you know, Moses is saying, Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Now, Moses is coming off of basically six generations. You've got Abraham, you've got Isaac, you've got Jacob, you've got Levi, you've got Kohath, and then you've got Amron, and then you've got Moses, okay? So when, we, he, when he says generations, it's, it's not that long. Like when we think generations, we think like thousands of years. He's just talking about like, this wasn't that long ago. So he says, Lord, and I love this, by the way, in Nelson's a commentary, you start learning some of the sources that I use. Uh, Nelson's actually this Hebrew word of Lord. It's talking about his majestic authority or here, here's what it can also mean. My supreme master. Sounds like some kind of Star Trek thing. And I don't even watch that stuff. So, but my point is, is he's saying, look, you're ultimately it. Moses says, ultimately, Lord, you are in charge. And then he says this, watch. He says, you have been our refuge in every generation. This word refuge, okay, is a really powerful a dwelling place. I think of Psalm 91. I wore a shirt that has little feathers on it, okay? I'm always intentional about these kind of things. Kevin, can you go to Psalm 91, verse 9? Psalm 91, verse 9 talks about, like, God serving as our refuge. This is really important to understand. Psalm 91, verse 9 what do you think, Kevin? Psalm 91, verse 9, it says this. It says, Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place. You have to understand, in the end times, you will not be shaken. You will not be nervous at all if you understand God is your home. Okay? Warren Wearsby, he's a commentary commentator who uh, I, I love... Got it. Uh, I'm going to start. You'll start recognizing some of these, uh, these names and stuff. But I want to give you, in the first two verses, if you guys like notes, uh, and none of this stuff, by the way, is ever me. You got, can I just make that disclaimer? Somebody, you can say yes. That's fine. Yeah. Oh. All right. So let's do this. This is kind of fun. So this is what I want you to write down. Okay. When we're talking about the first two verses, Wearsby says, we are, I, I love this image, we are travelers. Okay, and God ultimately is our, what, our home. Okay, God is our home. I want you to write this down. You're, you're going to understand this. Here's, here's why. What does this imply already? We're not from here. So when you start thinking about the end times, I want you to actually start thinking, I'm going home. Like, that's the heartbeat that you have to have in the end times. But what we do at the end times is we say, have you heard about the tribulation? Have you heard about the Antichrist? Have you heard about the temple? And then you just drop all of this knowledge that nobody even knows what you're talking about. But when you say, hey, by the way, God's my shelter, my refuge, my dwelling place, you're like, yeah, I can, I can connect with that. And so if I'm just journeying on and I'm traveling on, now Moses, they say, would probably wrote this after Numbers, the Numbers 13, Numbers 14 time period. So in Kadesh Barnea, I'll say it now. Do you remember when the spies, they went out 
12 spies went out, right? They come back. And when they come back, only two said, yeah, we got this. Well, what happened? Well, I'm going to fast forward through the story. They all got punished for 40 years. They had to go into a wilderness and they had to wander. Can you imagine Moses's life? He wandered for 40 years with a bunch of people that complained. Some people say there's even 2 million Israelites that he had to wander around with, that all they did was complain, okay? The point is, is that they say he wrote this after the wilderness, or, you know, after all the rebellion of Kadesh Barnea. Then they say that he possibly even wrote this after the death of his sister, Miriam, maybe after the death of Aaron, and, and, and in between, I should say, in between that period. And so the point is, you know what he's saying? God, you're all I have. Every one of us in this room online, every single one of us could put ourselves in a place of like, my life has been hard here, 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 here. And oh, by the way, it doesn't look any better. But when you come back to the place of God is my home, he is my refuge, you will not be shaken. So part of my communication to the remnant has to be find your home in him first. And I know you're like, how is this all at the end times? I'm telling you, this sets the tone for everything else. If you don't put God on the throne, you'll be scared to death. And so in this process of all of these things, Moses is beginning to reflect. Now watch in verse 2. I'm in Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth. I, don't you love that image? <laughs> Push! <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. God gave birth to the earth. I don't know if you'll get that overseas because I didn't get it here. <laughs> and then the world from eternity to eternity, you are God. Moses is putting God in the right place. Before everything, he was God. And oh, by the way, in the end, he is still God. And so you can, you can go through all of these things. You can get all messed up with, you know, Trump's not president, Biden is. You can get Trump in you know, all of these things. We've had presidents overseas in Tanzania. They lost a the leader there. So people are getting nervous about who's going to be running the show. It doesn't matter. God is our home. You have to get that established in your heart before anything else. And by the way, you and I are just traveling through. You're traveling through. So I, I know I keep emphasizing this, but once you have this perspective, it changes everything. We no longer live like we're losing. We live like we've won. I love that picture. All right, so this is your, your backdrop, okay? I'd say questions, but we'll do it at the end. Go, I want you to go to verses 3 through uh, 6, okay? Well, really 3 through 12. And, and Wiersbe has another point here, okay? So one, ah, no, I got to do this. Sorry, we're, we're just going to, we're going to run this for a second. Do you guys realize that Jacob, Jacob did life for 130 years on a pilgrimage? 130 years, okay? So that's how much he was traveling through. Uh, Kevin, can you go to Genesis uh, 47, verse 9? Genesis 47, verse 9. Uh, and the reason I want to emphasize this is because I think sometimes we, we have messages in America, by the way, that communicate when you follow Jesus, it's all great. They, they're just not following Jesus then. Now, he's with you. He's always guiding you. He's directing you. But it doesn't mean that somebody's not going to hate you. It doesn't mean that you can't pay a bill. It doesn't mean that your life's not going to be hard. In Genesis 47, verse 9, it says this. It's up on the screen as well. Jacob said to Pharaoh, 
My pilgrimage has lasted 130 years. Look how he describes his life. My years have been few and hard and have not surpassed the years of my fathers. And it says during their pilgrimages. So as travelers, what if your life from now until the end is really few and hard? Because I want to tell you, I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't say it's going to get harder. Well, then you can say, well, I guess he's not an all millennialist. That's true. I, I, I don't believe that the world's getting better. If you walk outside your front door and live in reality, you'll know. That's not a negative towards anybody. Please don't hear me say that. I'm just talking about when you do ministry, you guys, it's hard. And so I want you to just point this out. Jacob, he, let's talk about Moses' life just for a second. Oh, man, I got to really, I'm not even, I haven't even made past the first two verses. I'll speed it up. Moses, just so you know, 80 years, he was in Egypt and Midian. For 40 years, he wandered in a wilderness. In Numbers 32, by the way, they stopped in 42 places along the journey. You know what that is? That means the only place that Moses had a home was God. So regardless of what comes your way, I want you to keep thinking, he's my home. He's my refuge. He's all I got. And I know it feels like I'm doing a little bit, but let me jump to the, the NT, the New Testament, just for a second. A picture for maybe all of us to have is John 15. Abide in me. So when you have this picture of I'm abiding in him, you'll begin to understand no matter where he takes you, praise God. Mentally, emotionally, physically, he's still your home. And so as you keep going in Psalm 90, verse 3, Scripture says, you return mankind to the dust. I love what, uh, I love what Nelson's commentary says. Verse 3 becomes really abrupt. Hey, God, I love you. Thank you for being the home. And now, by the way, you send in all mankind to the dust. It's kind of an awkward, but isn't that our emotions? Isn't that how we are? You praise God in here, and in an hour and a half, you get a text and say, God, my life stinks. Like, we do that. Moses is simply saying in verse 3, you return mankind to the dust, saying, return descendants of Adam. So I'm going to quote out Wiersbe here for your second point here, okay? So we are travelers, uh, and God is our home. Now, I love this part, okay? And I'll get, hopefully my penmanship will get better. We are learners. This is kind of cool. And you ready for this one? And life is our school. Can I just say something? You can't just stay. <laughs> I don't always put this nicely. You can't just stay where God is your home and stay in your home. Like, because God is with you in your presence, it doesn't give you the freedom to not interact with anybody else or to do life. Okay, does that make sense? Well, the end is coming. Let's bunker down and stay here. I actually think that sometimes the church has stayed in this posture for too long. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I really believe, you guys, that you and I are learners in this thing called life. And, and Moses just says, hey, look, we're just dust, returning descendants of Adam. Genesis 3.19, you guys know this text, but Genesis 3.19, it says this. I could just quote it. There you go. Thanks, Kevin. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. Moses just basically says, hey, by the way, our life is just dust, dirt, 
dirt, right? <laughs> Piles of dirt. <laughs> Man, you can go in Ecclesiastes 3.20. It says, all of us came from dust and we're going to return to dust. And so he basically says, God, this is who you are. And then he says in verse, uh, verse, five, or verse 4, For you in your sight, for in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. So in other words, from God's eternal perspective, uh, Constable, Tom Constable says a thousand years are like a day to us. In other words, it just, just comes and goes. You want to know I really want to put into perspective with the end times? <laughs> You're only here for just a little bit. Just, just passing through. Just traveling through. That's it. And you and I are dust. Well, that's it for today. <laughs> Come on up, David. <laughs> you know, I, I love this because uh, I, Constables just says this. God outlasts man. He creates him and then sees him return to dust. It's pul we're pulverized material is what one guy says. That's a good one. In other words, uh, in verse 5, it says, You end their lives, they sleep. They're like grass that grows in the morning. In the morning, it sprouts and grows, and by evening, it withers and dries up. Th this is the language. God, you're eternal, and we're not. Now, through Christ, it's another story. But I want to just, I want to keep setting the tone, you guys. I, I don't know how to keep emphasizing this. And I told Laura this morning, I said, man, I sat at the couch with her this morning at her house. And I just said, you know, this message today, like, they're going to not think it's end times-ish. I'm going to say your life is pretty much like that. Aren't you glad you came? <laughs> and God is eternal. But when you have this perspective, you have nothing to lose. Yeah, I mean, nothing to lose. kind of interesting um, in verse I'll just keep going to verse 7 here for it just says this in verse 7 uh, for we are consumed by your anger uh, and we are terrified by your wrath you know what that means he knows death's coming he knows it's coming uh, by the way you're consumed we're consumed by your anger we're terrified by your wrath he's had four decades you'd realize this Warren Wiersbe says he's had four decades of trials and testings Four decades. I'm, 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 I'm tired of this. Ray, you got anything you want to jump in with this? No, just, uh, just the brevity of life uh, for me is, you know, we only have one shot at this. Yeah. And we've got a destiny uh, that he's prophesied over us. And we can burn decades just coping and trying to get by. And it's just his encouragement, I think, to, to jump in, all in. Good. Tony Evans uh, says in his commentary Bible, he says, if your life was a coin, you can only spend it once. Use it wisely. It's a good picture. And uh, to go along with what Ray is saying, verses 8 and 9 just totally goes with what Ray said. You have set our unjust ways before you. Now look at this. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. By the way, God knows everything. Phones, computers, cheating the systems. All of it. I, I'm always amazed at people. I was at a, a sporting goods store. This young high school kid in Omaha, Nebraska, walked out of a sporting goods store. And the next thing you know, I see a guy running and chasing after him. He got busted for shoplifting. And he came running back, walking back, and he pulled out of his pocket. And 
Later on, I asked one of the employees, I said, does that happen often? He said, oh, every day somebody shoplifts here. And he goes, this is what he said, but everybody gets caught. He goes, do you know how many cameras we have in this store? Can you imagine God's lens? Everybody's going to get caught, by the way. I mean, that's what Moses is saying. Uh, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all, I love this phrase. Verse 9, for all of our days ebb away. Psalm 90, verse 9, all of our days ebb away under your wrath, and we end our years like a ah, sigh. Man, it's, it's like if you don't believe me that death's coming, open up the newspaper. There's obituaries every day. Nah, it's not good. Yes, it's coming for every one of us. Every one of us, death is coming. I'll end with hope. Relax. But you got to understand this. I believe in order to understand the end times. Now, in verse 9, uh, verse 10, look at this. It says, our lives last 70 years. Or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Kevin, that's a good song for you to sing. Again, over to... So just like that, he says, by the way, everybody in this room, you should expect to live 70 to 80 years or more. Praise the Lord or more. I mean, he says, if you're strong, 80 years, right? Aren't you guys feeling pretty good? Amen. What does he say, you guys, in the big picture of things? I know you can't. I know it's hard to teach and communicate like eternal perspective, but this is what Moses is doing. He says, by the way, we're travelers. God is our home in every aspect of this. We're learners and life is our school. So as you go through this process, I just want to just say in verse 11 and 12, who understands the power of your anger? Your wrath matches the fear that is due you. I mean, Moses had ridiculous experience, you guys, of what? The, the, the sufficient measure, and I love what Nelson says, of God's anger. He saw it firsthand. You know that, right? How about coming down the mountain and the golden calf was down there? How about striking and speaking into the rock situations? Like, he understands what the wrath is talking about. And so this is why it's important to set up for verse 12. You have to understand God is our home. Life is short. And that's why Moses says in verse 12, Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts, starting now. Now. So Moses had all kinds of horrible experiences, things that people did bad stuff. His, he did bad stuff. And you know what he says? God, I want to make the most of it right now. It's time that the church transitions from what we've been doing for decades, yes, into this posture of, man, I have got to make the most of it now. I don't know. Kevin, when you hear to number our days, Rich, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, Kevin? To number our days, how does that impact your mindset? What would you say? Well, for me, it's, I know they're short, so I have to use what I have. That's, I mean, use the days that I'm given to honor and serve him. Amen. So that's why Moses says, ask the Lord to give you wisdom in your hearts. What's 
What's, uh, what's the, the text? Is it Proverbs 9, 10? How's it go? The beginning of, beginning of fear. What is it? Yeah, be, beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord, right? Here it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I told you, you guys could teach as well. Thank you. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when you put God in his perspective, of eternality, if of he's our home, guess what? Then he'll start giving you wisdom. But when you start putting political figures or parents or relationships above God, you're not functioning in the wisdom that he wants to give you in your heart. Let me even say it more directly. When we elevate leadership in church where they're it, you will not begin to embrace the wisdom that God wants to give you in your heart. You could say that could sound pretty extreme, but guys, that's what's happened in the church. We become so dependent upon one or two individuals that we don't think we can do it ourselves. I want to tell you, Moses says, yes, you can. Ask the Lord to teach us. Yes, teach us to number our days so that we may develop wisdom. I love this language. Uh, This is kind of cool. It's it's more than, Nelson says, having a sense of mortality. It means uh, valuing the time. Here it is that we do have by using it for eternal purposes. We have got to quit playing games. I actually believe the whole internet going out here, I actually believe is spiritual warfare. We're walking into a message, we're walking into a series that I believe could equip the church. So the enemy doesn't want anything to do with this. And so this is the mentality in... Man, Kevin, can you go to 1 John 3, 3? This is what it could look like for you. To number our days, this is a verse that it could look like for you. I love this text, okay? So if you need to write something down, like, hey, what does this look like? 1 John 3, 3 says, And everyone who has this hope in him, when you believe he's our home, when you believe that Christ died, buried, came back to life, when you have hope in him, he purifies himself just as he is pure. You're living in purity. Because if you're not, guess what? He sees everything. So to number our days, does that make sense? When you're numbering our days, you're walking in holiness. You're walking in righteousness. And you realize he's seeing everything and you're saying, okay, God, I want to make the most of everything. Here's what Warren Wearsby says. Listen to this text. This is awesome. We number our years, but not our days. That makes sense? We number our years. Oh, 2022, guys, I got it. Or 2020, Where, what happened to 2020? <laughs> but if you live by the days, that, sta- that, that, that phrase wouldn't make sense to you. No, 2020 was probably one of my favorite years I've ever had. We saw so much ministry explode. When you teach us to number our days, not our years, uh, Wearsby continues, he says, all of us have to live a day at a time. And you and I don't know how many days we have left. So why do we use this as our foundation? Because everything that we're going to talk about down the road, it could be controversial. When you start talking about pre-trib and mid-trib, and when you start talking about the Antichrist and the fallen angels, when you start talking about these things, it gets squirrely. And you get a little uncomfortable. But if we can all come back to this, he's our home. And when we find our refuge in him, we find our hope in him, it means we're actually numbering what he's given us today. And it's so important to understand the end times. 
But every time we talk about the end times, you know where we start? The book of Revelation. I love the book of Revelation, and I'm excited to dig in to the book of Revelation. And I hope you'll come with me on this journey, because I have to tell you, I love going there. Ray loves pushing my buttons. <laughs> Can I just say, there's, this is a great quote. Wearsby says, a successful life is composed of successful days that honor the Lord. Can everybody go with me to 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11? 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. I want to show you what this could look like to number our days. Okay, we've already talked about it, it could mean living a life of holiness, a life of purity. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11, it says this, For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ. So eventually we're going to what? Be before him. So that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body whether good or worthless. It continues on in verse 11. Therefore, because we know, here it is again, look, because we know the fear of the Lord. Do you guys see this language? It's all the same. When we fear the Lord, we will seek to persuade people. We're completely open before God, and I hope that we are completely open to your consciences as well. Kevin, if you can go back just one more at the beginning of verse 11. Look, when you fear the Lord, it means you're making the most of today. You're asking for the wisdom to be developed in your heart. And then here's the result. I believe you're trying to persuade people with the gospel. Amen. What else do you have to do? In Great Commission, Matthew 28, he says what? Go therefore and make disciples. And by the way, Matthew 24, verse 14. Kevin, I don't know if you have that. Look, this is why this 2 Corinthians 5.11 is so important to Matthew 24, 14. The good news of the kingdom, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then what? Then the end will come. When you number your days, it means you're actually fearing the Lord. When you're fearing the Lord, it means you're developing wisdom. And that wisdom says, go persuade people with the gospel. And then what happens? The end will come. I had a meeting yesterday. Jeff introduced me to, to a guy that does all kinds of incredible studies in ministry. And he's counting down the people groups, the ethnos, the people groups that have not heard the gospel. There's this thing called the Joshua Project. Okay. Then there's another thing that's tied with the, the, the IMB, the missionaries, International Missionaries Baptist Organization. Forgive me if I said that wrong. And then there's this organization. Uh, what's it called? F uh, finishing the task. So you got three organizations. They're all monitoring along with translation organizations, okay, ministries, they're all monitoring how many people groups are left. I'm not going to tell you the number yet, but I will tell you this, it can happen in our lifetime. Never in history have we ever been able to say people are fearing the Lord, they're numbering their days because they're persuading people with the gospel, and you could be that answer. You want to know the biblical approach to the end times? Persuade people with the gospel. How does it happen? Putting God here and knowing you're learning in this process. That makes sense? Like, we just make it too hard. We always make it too hard. You and I have, we always discuss the other things, don't we? <laughs> we discuss the things that we don't like, that we're always in a disagreement with. But for once, the church needs to become in agreement with the end times. This is the key. The key is, Lord, teach us the number of our days. And here's the crazy part. Watch this. Kevin, can you go back to Psalm 90? 
I love this. This is Moses, okay? So Moses is just saying, okay, this is what I'm asking. And then verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 13, he says this. This is the Wearsby. This is your last point here. He says, we are believers, okay? Again, Wearsby says this. And this is kind of funny. And he says, the future, this sounds like a weird title, but it's okay. The future is our friend. You have nothing to fear. And so here's what Moses says in Psalm 90, verse 13. Lord, this is probably you and me at some point. Lord, how long? Lord, how long? How long? Like, if you just stay in that posture, what is he talking about? Like, you, we don't really know yet, right? Well, if he's coming out of Kadesh Barnea and the people have been in rebellion, God, when are they going to get their act together? And when are you going to show compassion? God, when are you going to show up? I actually believe this is a prophetic picture. It's what we would call an already, but not yet. What do I mean by that? He's asking for practical help. There's a good chance he's asking for manna. There's a good chance he's asking for manna. I'll I'll talk about that in a second. But then there's also a chance he knows the Messiah's coming. Now you could say, come on, that's, this is Moses. Can everybody go to John 5 for me? I want you to go to John 5, verse 44 through 47. Is Moses really painting a picture of the Messiah? Is he really saying, when are you going to come? Because I I believe he is. In John 5, 44 through 47, it says, how can you believe? While accepting glory from one another, this is Jesus talking, by the way. You don't seek the glory that comes from the only God. Verse 45, it says this, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Your accuser is Moses on whom you have set your hope. Verse 46 says, for if you, this is Jesus, if you believe Moses, you would believe me. Because Moses wrote about me. Verse 47, but if you don't believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The evangelical church, at least in America, I believe sometimes, we do the Old Testament uh, uh, no justice. We just say, ah, that's the Old Covenant. You guys, everything points to the Messiah. Matthew 5, 17, he says, I didn't come to abolish or destroy, but to fulfill. I am a fulfillment of what Moses is talking about. So maybe... Moses is prophetically saying, God, give me the manna, give me your compassion, but I really want the Messiah. And the Messiah. And you could say, okay, well, I don't know. I'm not, we don't have time, but I just want to say this. In Genesis 12, in Genesis 3, 15, the whole seed, that's Christ. How do you know? Because in Galatians 3, it says the seed is Christ. Moses is talking about Jesus in Genesis. You could play this Ongoing in Genesis 49 and Numbers 24 and Deuteronomy 18, Moses talks about Jesus. So, do I believe that Moses wants some actual help right now? Yes, absolutely. Lord, how long? And he says this, if you go back to Psalm 90, uh, verse 13, turn and have compassion on your servants. Notice the change. God, you're not sending me to dust. God, give me compassion. Do you see the switch? Why? Because he's now said, I want to make the most of my life. God, give me what I need in order to impact people. That's what he's saying. Transitions. Lord, give me this compassion. And then he says in verse 14, this is why people think it's the manna. Satisfy us in the morning. 40 years, you guys, they got manna every morning. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all of our days. Is that 100% the bread? No, we don't know that. But it's a great picture, isn't it? But then what does that point to? If he's asking for the bread every morning, it's another foreshadow, you guys, of John 6, 35. Jesus is the bread of life. 
So you see what's happening is, he has this picture of God is our home, we're just dust. And we're learning in the process. As we're learning in the process, God, I want to embrace the most right now. At some point, we have to wake up that we're believers and that we can actually impact people. The Spirit of God is moving through us. You have nothing to be afraid of. And I could unpack this John 6, 35, this whole picture of the bread of life, but I just want to just tell you this. The key is, can you just, you see this here, back in Psalm 90, satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Make us rejoice for as many days as you have humbled us, for as many years as we have seen adversity. (laughs) Can you imagine if you and I fed on the bread of life every morning? You know, in John 1, it says that the word became, uh, the word came. And then John 1, 14, it says the word became flesh. When you partake in the word of God, you are getting to know Jesus every day. Which will increase your ability to hear. When you think through the end times, I just want us to slow down. We're going to get into the sticky stuff. Okay, we're going to get into all that stuff that's fun. We're going to talk a lot about my heartbeat of Israel. We're going to talk a lot about like this tension between good and evil. We're going to get into all of that. But I just felt like we needed just to set the tone today. We already know the end goal. I already know, you already know, he's, he's coming back. Amen? <laughs> and in the process, I just want to say in 16 and 17, Moses says, hey, so if I'm numbering my days, if I'm asking for wisdom... God, would you, would you do something special? And he says, let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by your children. In other words, as I walk this out, may they see your glory. As I persuade people, may they see the splendor of who you are. And then he says in 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. I believe 100%. Moses knew exactly what he was writing about. And I believe he needed help with the Israelites, but I also know he knew that he needed Jesus to come. And when you have this perspective, now, can I just say this? He's probably talking about the first coming. You and I are talking about the second coming. Big difference. The Jews are still waiting on the coming Messiah. We are waiting for the return of the Messiah. And we're going to talk about the Jews and the Gentiles as well over these weeks and weeks. (laughs) To the Lord, a week is a day, whatever, right? You know? And so I just want to just say thanks for jumping in with us on this journey. Uh, I, I will just say this, uh, Wearsby, he broke all this up very simply, and he just said, if you would write this down, I think this would be really key for you guys. Um, just write this down if you would. Uh, life is brief, teach us. Okay, so life is brief. David, you can come on up if you don't mind. Life is brief, and so he says, whoa. He says, teach us. Then he said, life is difficult, right? But then he says, satisfy us. Make sense? Okay. And then there's the last one, is that our work, it seemed futile, right? Can you imagine all the things that Moses went through? But then what does he say? Establish and confirm. 
So for me, when I look at this, I say, okay, God, give me, uh, give me a healthy perspective. Uh, Andrew Murray, anybody heard of Andrew Murray before? He said, the hope of the world, you ready for this? Is a revived church. In Psalm 119, it says, the way that you are revived is revive me, O Lord, according to thy word. How do you approach the end times? We get revived in the word so that we can persuade people with the gospel.